I have a question for you guys. If you had the opportunity to design a house, uh, which room would you prioritize? What would be the room that you would spend the most amount of time, resources, and energy into? I think for some of us, we might say the master bedroom. That makes sense, right? I mean, we spend, what, like a third of our lives sleeping, so we'd want our bedroom to look nice. We'd want our, what, windows to be facing a certain way. We want all that stuff, right? That, that makes sense. For others, maybe it's the living room. Maybe we host a lot. And so we want to make sure that the couches are set. We want to make sure that the hard, like the wood floors and that, or the carpeting is the color we want. Maybe, or maybe it's the backyard. Maybe it's the basement, right? For me personally, uh, it's obviously the bathroom. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but uh, I would probably put a TV in there. Um, maybe a refrigerator for hydration. I'm not sure, but you know, I would just do something along those lines. Now, what's interesting is that when you do a survey of designers and architects and people who know houses intimately, they would all agree that more than a bedroom, more than a basement, the kitchen is the most important room in the house. That the kitchen is what will make or break the value of a home. So they say that you should focus everything around the kitchen. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because in the book of 1 Timothy, we have Paul who is writing a letter to Timothy and the church in Ephesus. And he's talking about how to design God's house. And he's saying, look, all of these rooms are important. There is no room that is unimportant in the house of God. And yet what you should be prioritizing, Timothy, what you should be prioritizing above everything else is prayer. Prayer. And we see that in verse 1 where it says, first of all. That's not a, a time sequential kind of thing. No, no. He's saying that above everything else, above all that you can think of, the place and the thing that you should focus upon is prayer. That your church should be known as a church of prayer. Now, when Timothy and the people in Ephesus heard this, they wouldn't be that shocked by it. They wouldn't be that surprised. But I want to tell you that when they read this passage from, from Paul, they would have been shocked. And the reason that they would have been shocked is because of what comes after when Paul says, look, you should prioritize prayer, but not just any prayer, prayer for all people. So the priority for the church is not just prayer, but Paul is saying that your priority, that our priority should be to pray for all people. Now, what does that mean, right, especially in this context? Well, let me just give you a refresher. In this city, in the church of Ephesus, 
there were certain men. They had become leaders. They had become influential within the church, and, and they were speaking almost a different doctrine. They were speaking a different word than what the Bible was saying because what they were putting their emphasis in, what they were putting their importance in, was they were saying, look, my genealogy is above everything else. They said, my lineage as a Jewish person comes before everything. And so that's why if your lineage and if your genealogy is also at the same level, if we're all Jewish, then that means that salvation is for you. But for everybody else, if you're a Gentile, if you're somebody else, if you can't trace your lineage back, then you know what? You're not supposed to be saved. And so alongside that, the obvious conclusion is that, look, because these people aren't meant to be saved, what's the point of praying for them? You know what, these people, they have uh, some certain ideologies, they have certain things, and you know what, I, I don't think we have to pray for them. But what also occurs is that because they're saying, look, these people, their lineage is not our lineage, and so I don't have to pray for them, what they started to think is that, look, if their beliefs are not the same as our beliefs, then I don't have to pray for them. And if we don't like them, then we don't have to pray for them either. And so what happened in the church of Ephesus and what Timothy was dealing with were people who were only praying for the church members in that church. And they're saying, yes, we are going to intercede for them. We're going to pray prayers of thanksgiving. We're going to do everything that we can, but we're only going to do it for the people that are within our sphere of influence. We're only going to do it for these people here, but for everybody else, for these other pagans, for these Gentiles, for these other people outside in the city, we're not going to be praying for them because you know what? Jesus never wanted us to pray for them. And so they would say, look, we're only going to care about our inner circle. We're only going to care about our own lineage. And we're only going to care about the people that we care about. But Paul, he says this to Timothy, and he says this to the church. It is of primary importance to you, Timothy, that you understand and that you teach the people that they are to pray for all people, not those who are close to them, not those who are just within their circle. And the reason why is because God desires it and that it is good. And so after that, he says in verse 2 of who to pray for. And he says, for kings and all who are in high positions. Now, it's interesting because of all the things that he could have mentioned, of all the people that he could have said to pray for, because he said to pray for all people, right? He specifically mentions kings and those in high authority. But I think the more you think about it, the more you realize that the reason Paul is specifically pointing out these people is because these types of people are the most tempted to despise and to reject and to get abandoned by us. And so for us as just people within the church, it is going to be those in high positions, it is going to be our kings, it is going to be those who are 
able to make decisions that influence our lives, those are the people that we are most likely and tempted to abandon, to criticize, to speak badly of. And yet what Paul is saying is don't do those things. That for you, that the people that you may despise, the people that you may not know well, the people that you may disagree with, those are the people that you should be praying for the most. That yes, prayer is good for those that you love. Prayer, you should be praying for your family. You should be praying for yourself. The Bible says that. And yet at the same time, of primary importance is that you should be praying for those that you may not agree with. That you should be praying for those that are in high positions that could influence things because you know that God is able to change their heart. So pray for them. That is the job and the duty of the church and of us as Christians. See, this is what was happening in Ephesus. Because the king, you see, wasn't in their lineage. And, their, and, and the authority figures within their city, it wasn't in their faith. And so for them, they didn't feel a need to pray for them. And because they didn't like those authority figures, they had even a greater reason not to pray for them. And because they had people within that city who, who they couldn't get along with, they decided not to pray for them. Instead, they became closed-minded, they became stonewalled, and so they said, I'm going to pray only for those that are within our church, and I'm going to pray for the well-being of my church, but I don't really care about the city. And yet that goes against exactly what the Bible says, that you should be praying for the city, that you should be praying for the, the place and the nation that you are within. And yet for so many of us, we don't do it. Because we're, so only, we're only focused upon the people that are right in front of us. Look, I'm not naive enough to say that this, this nation isn't divided. Of course we are to a point. And I know that for many of us that the people that we disagree with the most, that the person that we may disagree with the most is the president or the vice president. Or maybe those who are in authority who can make and dictate decisions within our lives. And so because of that, for many of us as American Christians, we feel entitled to speak ill when they make bad decisions. And we're only willing to praise them when they make a decision that is in line with what we desire. And yet, where do we get the idea that we can pray for those that we like, and yet for those that we don't like, we don't pray for them? Nowhere in the Bible does it state that. In fact, it says the opposite, that we should be praying for those who persecute us, that we should be turning the other cheek, that we should be responding to hate with love, that in all things that we should be praying. And yet for so many of us, we have forgotten this very concept. And so instead, we just act, and we speak ill, and we slander, and we make jokes. And yet the very first thing that we should do as Christians who believe in the Bible and who love God is to say, God, would you change their heart? God, would you shape them more closer to your will? God, would you bless them? Would you help them to flourish? Because, God, you have placed them in that position for a reason. Romans 13.1, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. 
The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You see, the reason that we pray to God, the reason that we pray first and we act second, third, fourth, fifth, is because we believe that God has placed those people within our lives for a reason. We may not know the reason, but we trust in God. And we trust that even if we can't see the end of it, God can. And so because God is all-powerful, because God can see from the beginning to the end, and because God has placed those people within our lives, we say, God, yes and amen. I am all you have called me to do, and all I will do is to pray. And you see, the reason why Paul was so passionate over this is because this was his ministry. This was what he was called to do. You know on the road to Damascus, as he was going along, he hated Gentiles. He hated anyone else that was Jewish. And yet for him, Jesus met him on that road, struck him with blindness. And the one command that Jesus gave Paul was, look, preach to the kings and to the Gentiles the name of Christ Jesus. What a shifting of his heart. What a change he must have had to experience. Because for him, he had no idea. He's, he must have said, no, I don't want to preach to the Gentiles. I don't want to go in that direction. And yet he did it because Jesus said so. He understood the calling of God. He understood the authority of God was bigger than his own imagination, was bigger than what he desired to do. And so because Jesus told him to, because the Bible said so, he said yes and amen. I don't understand why. I may not get it in this moment, but I will do it. Yes, God. Is this something that we can say ourselves, church? Is this something that we believe for us? That, look, even if we may disagree with the people next to us, that even if there's someone who hates us, who says all these bad things to us, what is our response to them? Will we use hate for hate? Or will we pray for them? Will we care for them? Not because we desire to. I know that, I, I'm going to tell you a secret, as a pastor too, there's times when I don't want to pray for other people. <gasps> I know, right? But it's true. I'm a person. I know that for us as people, it's hard to do so. Our heart desires to do something else. And yet that's not the question that God is asking here. He doesn't say do it because you desire to do it. He says do it because I desire it. And because you love me, you will do what I say. And so that's the question for you guys as well. Are you willing to pray for others? Are you willing to respond with love when hate comes in your face, when hate comes to you, simply because you know that's what God desires and that is what is good and pleasing to him. You see, this is what Paul tells the church to do. And then after this, he goes into the purpose of why we should do this in verse 2, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. In other words, Paul is saying that he wants the church to be involved in praying so that out of our prayers, out of our response in love towards others, that those around us would have the result of 
peace, of quietness, and of godliness. And you see, this connects to the concept that is so important in 1 Corinthians 10.3 where it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The reason why so many of us want to respond in anger or in hate or in action is because we have seen those things in the world. It's because everyone around us outside the church does those things. And yet the Bible is clear that we do not fight in the same way that the world fights. That our weapons are not the same weapons as the world. That our weapons are so much stronger. And those two things are prayer and the preaching of the word of God. That as long as we hold on to those things, that we cannot fail. Because we believe that God is more powerful than this world. And so if God is for us, then who can really be against us? And so why are we willing to rely upon our own selves and our own actions and our own power when we have the unlimited power of God beside us that all we have to do is pray and ask and he will do according to his will? That the Bible says that his heart moves according to our prayers. And so if you believe that as Christians, then what is there more to do? Then all we have to do is what Paul says, first of all, pray. Priority, pray. Importance, prayer. There's a lot of other rooms that we should focus on, yes. But your main focus, the centerpiece for us as a church, if we want this world to move in the direction that God desires it, is for us to pray first. And yet I know for a lot of us, we want to act and we want to do. And we can't imagine that, man, prayer and all of these things, that, that doesn't really do too much. But I want to tell you that, look, the Bible it says that when you are persecuted, True godly persecution, what the Bible says, true persecution, it only comes from righteous living. It doesn't come from doing actions and, and working on your own and, and trying to fix things on your own. No, no, no. That's not the persecution that the church faced in the early days. And so his call to you is that as Christians, when we fight for the Lord, that when we are praying for others, allow the world to see the way that you act in a godly way. That because of your faithfulness, because of your righteous living, because of the way that you are praying and staying steadfast and loving others, that is the reason why the world is going to hate you. That is the reason why the world is going to persecute you. Not because of some other thing, not because you're doing 101 other things against the government or against whatever, no, no, no is because simply you are following the word of God by praying and loving and caring for others. And you know what? The world is not going to understand that. And because the world doesn't understand that, the world will hate you because of it. So we put our prayer first because the purpose is to lead peaceful and godly lives. And the reason we do all this because, is because of verse 3, where it says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. You know, it's, it's a really simple word that Paul gives, but I think it's a really profound one for us today. 
because what Paul is doing is he's saying, look, because of the authority that Jesus Christ has given me, because of what Jesus Christ had said about this matter, that he is a ransom for all, that his death is meant to cover everybody. Look, I know that the church in Ephesus, I know that you may be thinking that this is a certain way, but that's not true. What you're talking about is a lie, and what I'm saying is truth, simply for one reason, because Jesus said so. And so obey. Now, the reason why that was hard for them to understand is because there's two things that people have to deal with in this world. Is number one, the framework of how their mind works, of how they interpret everything, of their worldview, and secondly, what the Bible says. And yet what happens for many of us is that we put our framework and the way that we think the world should work, and we put the Word of God under that. And we try to play, and we try to do everything possible in order to shape the Word of God, to twist it and to turn it so that it fits into our worldview. And yet what Paul is saying here, and he's saying to the church in Ephesus, and I think he's saying to each one of us here, that look, it should be the opposite, that the Word of God should come first, and that your framework should come under that. Your framework should be the one that breaks. Your framework should be the one that bends. The Word of God is the thing that should stay still that should stay strict above everything else. And so if there's something that comes in the, in the Bible, if there's a text that you see that doesn't go along with your worldview and with the framework that you desire, then the thing that should end up breaking is your framework. It should not be the Word of God. The Word of God comes first every single time. And that's what Paul is saying here. Look, the church in Ephesus is wrong. What I'm saying is right. And the one reason why is because Jesus said so. That's the truth for us. That is the word of God in our lives. And so as Christians, as people who know and love God, I, I pray that that would be where we, where we spend all of our energy. That's where we have our thanksgiving. That's where we... Uh, Place all of our action is through that one understanding that the word of God is true, it's living, and it will sustain us. And the one thing that he says in this passage that, that encompasses everything is he says that because God loves us, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross as a ransom for all. That he died for every single person. That anyone who believes in him, that accepts in him as their savior, as their king, as their Lord, will have eternal life. And so as long as you trust in that truth, allow everything else to fall under place to that. Let love flow out from you. Let truth flow out from you. Let justice flow out from you. Not from your framework, not from your perspective, but simply because of what the word of God says. So I believe in that one truth. And because of that, everything else will flow. That is what Paul is telling the church. Prioritize prayer for all people because it is good and God desires you to. Do you see that? Look, I know that this is a hard command for us to pray for those that we don't really know, to pray for those that maybe we don't even like that much, but we believe in this one truth, that God is able to change their hearts, that God is able to change even the most stubborn, 
even the most stone-filled heart, God is able to do so. And so because we believe in that truth, because we believe that God is all-powerful, that he is greater than any one person, that the Holy Spirit is able to transform any life, we are able and willing to pray for those, especially those in leadership positions, especially those in authority. You know, one thing that I'm so thankful for for our church is that one of our, our main stances is standing, is preaching the word of God, is, is being close to, to, to scripture and to the gospel as, as, as much as we can. And at the same time, preaching the word to all nations. That as we continue to pray and support our missionaries, that we will do everything possible, everything in order to spread the word to people that we don't even know. And so it's a blessing to be able to hear from missionary after missionary who have talked about all these people who have come to know the Lord. But guess what? We don't even know them. But through our prayers, through our support, God is able to change their lives. What a, what a blessing. How amazing is that? And so Shining Star, my brothers and sisters, I pray that as we start the second half of 2022, it's already the second half, that we would refocus our minds that in, in this house that we've built, that our priority wouldn't be the basement, it wouldn't be the backyard, it wouldn't even be the bathroom. It would be prayer above everything else. Pray, first of all, pray, first of all, pray. Amen? Yeah, let's pray.